Toddsville Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. Today is the day when the birth of Christ is recognized. And I am thankful that men are made to think that there was a man named Christ Jesus and he was born and all over the world this is being recognized. Now I would like to read a passage of scripture from the book of Isaiah written 700 years before the birth of Christ and we have here the announcement of his birth. Isaiah chapter 9 beginning in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom, to order it and to establish it with justice and judgment, from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Now there we read of the announcement of his birth. Some 2,000 years ago, the Son of God was conceived in a virgin's womb. Matthew 1.20 says, That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. That is how he was conceived in a virgin's womb, one that had never known a man. And he spent nine months in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and he was born on a certain day. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What a precious name. Not God against us. God with us. Now, not only are we told that he would be born, we're told where he would be born in the Old Testament. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we read, but Thou Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me him that is ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been of old from everlasting. 
we're told where he would be born. In Daniel chapter 9, we're actually told when he would be born. The 70 weeks times 7, representing 490 years from that time. But what I want us to consider mainly is this birth announcement were given of the Lord Jesus some 700 years before he was born. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now, somebody may be thinking, how could a virgin have a child? And Mary asked the same question. We read in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Seeing, I know not a man. How is it that I'm going to be with child if I've never known a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost, that's the third person of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. He was begotten by the Holy Ghost. You see, if Joseph was the biological father of the Lord Jesus Christ, he would have Joseph's sinful nature. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And he could not be our Savior. He would be a sinner if Joseph was his biological father. But Joseph is not his biological father. And I love what the angel said to Mary. With God, nothing shall be impossible. That is why this virgin conceived with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, in this passage of Scripture, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we read, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Now, the first thing that comes to mind with me is, who is the us? Unto us a child is born. And to us a son is given. Who is the people represented by the word us? And I really can't understand this passage of scripture unless I understand who the us is. Unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Now if that us is included in people who are not saved, people who will are already in hell or people who will go to hell, uh, him being given to them didn't do them much good, did it? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now who is meant by us? Now if I said the same us as Romans chapter 8 verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? I would be giving the scriptural answer. The us represents the elect of God, those who he is for. The us represents everybody that Jesus Christ died for. 
The us represents all who have been born of God, born of the Spirit. The us represents all who believe the gospel, all who believe and repent. The us represents all who receive Christ. Now, if I gave those answers, I would be giving accurate scriptural answers, but perhaps you're not sure if you are any of those things. And you can't ascertain that, yes, I know God elected me. I know Christ died for me. I know I've been born of the Spirit. You might not be able to answer honestly those things with regard to yourself. So let me give you something easier. Are you a sinner? I'm not asking you if you're elect. I'm not asking you if you know Christ died for you. I'm not asking you if you've been born of God. I'm asking you this. Are you a sinner? And I'm talking about what the Bible means by sinner. Genesis 6, 5. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Would that be you. Romans 2, 1 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou the judgest, for thou the judgest doest the same things. Are you a sinner to this sense that you don't have any business judging anybody on any level because you know you're worse than they are? Are you a sinner in that sense? John said in 1 John 1, 8, If we say we have no sin, we've deceived ourselves. If you're a sinner, you know at all times you have a sinful nature. It's always there. And then he said in verse 10, if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar. And they're the words of verb talking about anything I do. If I did it, that's all it takes for it to be sin because I have this sinful nature. Are you a sinner? The way I just described, the way the word of God just described. Well, if you are, you're included in that us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Somebody says, how can you say that? Because 1 Timothy 1.15 says Christ Jesus came into the world. That's why he was born. That's why he was conceived. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The only people he came to save, sinners. Now, if you're not a sinner, I can't say that he, he was given to you. You're not included in that, that us. But if you're a sinner, this is for you. For unto us, sinners, a child is born. Unto us, sinners, a son is given. Now, let's think about the language of this. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Now, there's a reason it's stated like that. The Son of God became flesh. The eternal Son of God became flesh. He was not always flesh. But he, when he came into the world, when he was conceived, he became a human being. Something he was not before. He became a child. He has a birthday. Now, I seriously doubt that it's December 25th. But he does have a specific birthday. There was a specific day when he was born. 
John 1.14 says the Word, the eternal Word, the Word that was with God and was God, was made flesh. Jesus Christ became a human being. He was born. Unto us this child is born. But to us the Son wasn't born. The Son's eternal. The Son was given. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This Son was not born. This is the uncreated, eternal Son of God. Now, Isaiah tells us concerning this Son that was born, and, or the child that was born and the Son that was given. He tells us in verse 6, And the government shall be upon his shoulder. This was this one that was born that day some 2,000 years ago when he was born, the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, the government he's talking about is not government as we know it, with an executive, legislated, legislative and judicial branch, a balance of powers with Officials we elected. It's not talking about that kind of government. It's not talking about any other kind of human government, an autocratic government, communist, socialist. The word government means rule or dominion. The rule and the dominion shall be upon his shoulders. Now, this is speaking of the absolute sovereignty of this child who was born, of this son who is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. He has absolute rule. He has absolute dominion. Now, here is what that means. This child who is born, this son who is given, he has a will. He has a will. He has the power to make sure his will comes to pass. He has the right to make sure his will comes to pass. And he always does his will. That's what is meant by the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. His will is always done because he has the power to make sure it's done. He has the right to make sure it's done, and he always makes sure it is done. His will is always done. Daniel chapter 4, verse 35 says, He doeth according to his will. In the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Psalm 115, 3, David said, Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. His will was done when he created the universe. Every minute of time, this thing we call time, whenever it began and there's a time when there will be no more time, is his will being done. He's the cause of causes. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And if you're saved, it's because he willed your salvation. It's not because you willed it. It's because he willed it. He is Lord. The government is upon his 
shoulder. Now, Isaiah now gives us his name. His name shall be called. This child who is born, this son who is given, this one who exercises absolute sovereign dominion over all things, he's got a name. His name shall be called. Now, before I get it, get to that, remember Matthew 121, we read that his name is Jesus. Savior. He shall save his people from their sins. He's already been called Emmanuel, God with us. But here Isaiah tells us he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now let's consider each one of these titles. Uh, This one who was both the child born and the son given, his name is called Wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now, Listen to this. Either Jesus Christ is God or he is the biggest imposter to ever live. The claims he made about himself called the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He said, I and my father are one. He took to himself the name I am. He is either who he said he is, God, the second person of the Trinity, or he's the biggest imposter to ever live. You know, Mohammed never made the claims that Christ made. He said, there's one God and I'm his prophet. Christ said, I and the Father are one. Big difference. Now, he's called wonderful. And you know, we use that term far too loosely. Uh, How is the meal? Wonderful. Well, I don't know whether any meal is full of wonder, but he is. He is wonderful. Wonderful in his person. He's God. He's man. He's 100% God. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead in a body. He's the man, Christ Jesus, perfect humanity. He's wonderful in his life. His perfect, sinless life is the righteousness, the personal righteousness of every believer. He's called in Jeremiah 23, 6, the Lord, our righteousness. Now, when I stand before God in judgment, you know why I'm going to be accepted? Because I have his life as my life before God. His personal righteousness. He's wonderful in his death. In his death, he actually put away sin. Yeah, when I die, there's no accomplishment in it. But when he died, he actually made the sins of all of God's elect not to be. Paid for, put away. Wonderful in his resurrection. He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. When he was raised from the dead, I was declared to be justified. God satisfied with me. 
I'm sinless. That's what his death accomplished. Oh, how wonderful he was in his resurrection. How wonderful he is in raising himself from the dead. How wonderful he is in his intercession. There's a man in glory right now representing me and everyone who believes on him. And they are preserved and kept by him, his intercession for them. Oh, how wonderful he'll be in his return. His name shall be called Wonderful. What a name for the Lord Jesus Christ. His name shall be called Counselor. Counselor. Now, that's not what we would call a counselor today. Uh, people go to counselors. They may be helpful. They may be harmful. But they're men. And they're not going to be infallible by any means. But this is not, when the Lord is called a counselor, this is not talking about one who gives advice or even one who gives infallible advice. The word counsel here is a verb. What does that mean? That means that my counsel, he said, shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. His counsel is his decrees. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. His counsel is always done. The counsel of peace he made before the foundation of the world. He didn't consult with men. He didn't consult with angels. There, there his father made him to be the counsel, the decree of peace. He's the wonderful counselor. And then he's called the mighty God. He did what only God can do. In his miracles, he did what only God could do. He uh, raised the dead. He controlled the weather. He brought matter into existence that was not there before when he made food. He suspended the law of physics when he walked on the water because they're his laws. He did what only God could do. He is God in the sense that only God can raise himself from the dead. Only God can obey the law perfectly. Only God could satisfy God. The God-man did all of those things. He is the mighty God. And then Isaiah says he's the everlasting father. Now somebody says, how can that be? How can he be called the everlasting father? That's a good question. Uh, this is mysterious. I can't answer this to anyone's satisfaction. I just believe it because this is what it says. I know he's separate from the father. Uh, we read in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God as a distinct person, and the Word was God. And I know this, all we're ever going to see of the Father is Jesus Christ. God is spirit. No one can look upon him. The God-man, Jesus Christ. Now, I love it when Philip said Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And the Lord looked at him and said, Have I been so long time with you, Philip? And yet hast thou not known me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Now, the Lord didn't say, If you've seen me, it's just as if you've seen the Father. He said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. You see, He's the express image. 
the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He's the image of the invisible God. And all I'm ever going to see of the father is his son, Jesus Christ. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now that word prince is the same word used when Joshua saw the man standing with the drawn sword. You can read about this in Joshua chapter 5. And he said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, neither. I don't take sides. I'm the captain of the Lord's hosts. That's the same word as prince. He is the prince of God. He is the king, God's king. And he's the prince of peace. What a name for him, the prince of peace. Now, Acts chapter 5, verse 31 says, Him hath God exalted to be a prince and a savior. For to give repentance to Israel and the remission of sins. Now, peace, peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Now, let me tell you why he's the Prince of Peace. Because he is our peace. The only peace I have is the peace God has with him. If I'm in him, God has complete peace with me. Colossians 1.20 says, Having made peace by the blood of his cross, when he died on Calvary's tree, God was at peace with everybody he died for. He has no reason to be angry. There's nothing for him to be mad at because I am sinless if Jesus Christ died for me. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, here's what Christ did on Calvary's tree. He made a way for God to be just and justify somebody who's unjust like me or you. He made a way for God to be absolutely just and justify the ungodly. And the only peace I have is that everything God requires of me, he looks to his son for who made my peace with God. And I have peace with God because of the peace that he accomplished on my behalf He truly is the Prince of Peace. What a name. He's wonderful. This child who is born, this son who is given, the government is upon his shoulders. His name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace peace. This is the one who was born of a virgin some 2,000 years ago and lived a life of perfection for 33 years and died upon the cross as a sin-bearing substitute, making peace for all he represents. Truly, he is the Prince of Peace. I am so grateful for the birth of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am longing for his return. He will come again.
We have this message on DVD and CD. If you call the church or write or look on our website, you can get a copy. This is Todd Nybert praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. Amen. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 